Welcome to the Old Mamas Podcast. I'm your host, Christine McGlinchey Yap. In each episode, I'll cover topics in the area of maternal health and spiritual wellness. You'll hear from guests who will share their professional and personal experiences as we navigate the journey to and through motherhood together. This is an intentional space for you to learn and grow. So sit back and enjoy. My guest today is Carrie Sitaro. She is a yoga and meditation teacher. She's also an on-air mom personality. She hosts the Momtourage podcast and Scary Mommy Speaks. She does a lot of work in mental health, and she is a real person with real issues as a mom. So this conversation is going to be really raw and authentic. We're going to get really down to the nitty gritty and talk a lot about Carrie's journey into motherhood, mental health issues as moms, and what we can do to really move forward and not feel shame around that conversation and just kind of normalize it. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Welcome. So tell us a little bit about your journey into motherhood. Well, um, I waited a real long time. Let's put it that way. Um, I was a single gal for the most part, uh, living in New York City, you know, doing doing that dream. I, uh, I'm a trained theater uh, and film and TV actor. So pursued that with 178% of my being for about 25 years. Um, and then I think this is also an important part of the conversation, um, was really unhappy, was successful, but unhappy. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started doing yoga pretty early in my life because I was a dancer first and my I needed to help it with injuries. And this is, I, I'm 43, so it was before people were doing yoga. Like I, It was like a book that I got from the library with an old lady in a leotard. You know, that's like <laughs> what I was doing. And then I would go to the Y with a bunch of old ladies and do it. Um, and then when I moved to New York, it still, there was only like two studios in New York when I first moved here that were doing yoga. But so um, early adapter of mm-hmm. yoga and meditation, but really it was just because uh, I was so unhappy that I was just trying to do whatever I could to, um, thinking a lot of it was me, which some of it was, but also I just was not happy in my career. Yeah. Um, so was kind of, kind of medicating through yoga and meditation to try to stay in my career a little longer. But the more that I meditated, the more I realized how bullshit my career was. Uh, So it was the right medicine, just not the way that I thought it would be, which is kind of how yoga and meditation works. You you do it for one reason, and you end up finding clarity in all different ways that you didn't expect. Um, So anyway, I did that for a long time, had a real good time dating around. Let me tell you, no (laughs) slut shaming here. I had a grand old time. And then when I was, uh, I don't can't remember now, 38 or 39, I think I was 39, I met my now partner, um, and he's 10 years older than me. And we dated for a couple years, and then we kind of fast-tracked because we both knew we weren't getting any younger. Um, and we decided to try to have a baby. And we got really lucky because reproductive issues are huge in my family. And I had had a um, previous lost pregnancy with a boyfriend prior, uh, Mm -hmm. accidental pregnancy that I was planning on carrying to term and did not. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was a little bit nervous about how that was all going to go. But we got pregnant 
like literally the second try. Amazing. Can't believe it. Um, and had my daughter at 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, and had had a it's I don't want to say it was a rough pregnancy because she was super healthy. We never had any issues with her. Mm-hmm. I just had a lot of issues with me during pregnancy, and the actual birth was traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But she was all she was okay, and so I really don't like to say it was so terrible because the baby was never in danger, and she turned out perfect, and she's amazing. Mm-hmm. But um, really, all that work that I had done on myself. Up until that point, uh, it got real shook up mm-hmm. when I uh, had the baby. And to be completely transparent with you, I'm still trying to sift through the pieces kind of of mm-hmm. that destruction of ego in the deepest sense um, mm-hmm. to put myself back together as a healthy person, not mm-hmm. just a mom. So yeah. that's that's a that's a r- real long rough overview. <laughs> yeah, no, that's beautiful, and I can relate in so many ways because I came from a corporate background and I own my own business now. But God, I was addicted to positive affirmations, mm. like seriously addicted. <laughs> yeah, because I was like literally numbing my mind just to get through the day, like you can do this. Like you're a winner. You don't care. That's actually, that's actually called spiritual bypassing where yes. you, yeah. So it's yes. like toxic positivity and spiritual yes. bypassing. Yeah. Totally. And I learned about, you know, that whole thing. Cause I actually have a spiritual mentor, Nikki Novo, and she's an intuitive guide. And she would tell me like, are you listening to something in the morning when you go to work? And I'm like, yeah, I listen to like these positive affirmations just to like get me through the day. She's like, you know, that's like, it's okay to like hate your job. She's like, yeah, you're going to be upset. Like you're literally like putting a bandaid over it. It's sort like, of like drinking to get through the day, but it's not alcohol. It's, it's positive affirmations. Yeah. In your mind, you're like, oh, this is great. You know, I'm just numbing the pain. Like you said, with the medicine of like yoga and meditation and positive affirmations. But it, like you said, it's spiritual bypassing. It's toxic positive positivity because we don't want to get to the real root of the issue, which is I hate my job. I'm just scared to leave it. Right. Yeah. And so of course, coming into motherhood, figuring out all of that deep inner work. And then, so you and I have similar, um, our daughters are similar in age. And before we hopped on this interview, we're like, yeah, we're like really in it. The thing that's like super clear for me is boundaries and how I have none. Yeah. And that's like a real trigger with my daughter and I, like that boundary piece of like that people pleasing and all of that. So I totally hear you how you do all this inner work, then you become a mother. And it's like the cycle starts all over again because there are new shadows that become eliminated. There are new triggers. Yep. And also, you know, regardless of how uh, amazing or simple or all the shades in between your your pregnancy, you're getting pregnant and your birth was, it's still a trauma experience both for you and the baby. Like it really is. Like no matter how beautiful the whole thing was, mm-hmm. um, not trying to take away the beauty of, of your experience, but let's be real, a kid comes out of your body. It was so warm and cozy in there. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of feel like the first 
three months, you and your baby are just staring at each, at each other being like, what the fuck? Like yeah. you, it's traumatic for everyone, no matter how beautiful it is. And so if you've ever had any trauma in your life, it gets shook up uh, quite a bit. And then, um, you know, there's all of these tropes that we're supposed to be blissfully happy that we should you know this is the best thing and and it is and it isn't at the same time and you know lots of women have wanted their whole lives to have babies especially when you wait till you're later in life you like you just feel like you should be so grateful that you had a baby and it's not that you're not but just like spiritual bypassing um you're skipping really important steps in the growth process if you don't acknowledge all the crap too there i i teach i spent one of my specialties is yoga for anxiety and depression and one of the most powerful things that i learned in my research about that is that again i hate first of all everyone should know i hate numbers so i like to say olden times that just gives me like a great window of being <laughs> like i don't have to remember any numbers but in olden times uh when we lived in tribal societies or in more recent times when um, extended families live together in close proximity. Um, mental health, it wasn't really called like anxiety or depression, but in many cultures, they viewed people that were deeply feeling, deeply empathetic mm -hmm. as wisdom seekers or wise people in the tribe. And they would hold space, I'm using very uh, hippie terms here, but they would hold space for that person to go through whatever it was that they were going through, kind of red tent style. Mm -hmm. And they would help take care of whatever that person used to take care of. So like, let's say it's a mother, that they would take care of the kids, take care of the husband, take care of the house, so that the 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 mother could safely go through whatever, and this is, again, we're not talking like 70s, 60s, we're talking about way before this. Yeah. Um, uh, they could go through whatever they were going through uh, safely, holding space, mm -hmm. so that they came out on the other side uh, wiser and transformed yeah. now what we do now is we we push through we have this society where we push through that we either deny it or we say it but we still push through it and we end up not really feeling or experiencing all of the flavors of sadness grief loss disappointment whatever whatever it is because either we're afraid we're not going to be able to get out of it we know that we have to function in a job or taking care of people and we can't like just do the thing that we need to do feel the feelings we need to feel we're embarrassed to say we need help we're embarrassed to tell people we're going through it we're shamed whatever name the thing and so we skip steps and then what ends up happening is I always say the, the, the bullet has to come exit the body somehow. And so what it does is later on, that feeling will be processed as something else, whether it's illness uh, or it will come out as a different kind of emotion at a later date that's probably not appropriate or doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And so we skip steps and you know, I fully recognize that right now in the society that we live in, that it, it's hard to do that. Um, I was very lucky in that when I've had some of these hard times, these really like fall down on your knees, like to the core moments, um, my family has always been, I've been really able to express this to my family and they, I have a very close family. They were able to hold space for me and pick up stuff while I could 
try to go through it and come out the other side. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. And I think it's given me a kind of wisdom and it also, I have fully processed it. So it, not everything, but some of these things I have fully processed and digested and really feel like my DNA has been changed mm. and, and the way that I feel about it is very changed. And so, um, I just like to draw awareness to this because if if you can ask for help and if you can have people around you that will help create that kind of tribal society in a way, um, and we are in a safe place. So by that, I mean under a doctor's care, maybe medicated, um, mm -hmm. to feel the feelings and digest them and process them in a safe way, then there really is a kind of a wisdom and, and a and a clarity that comes on the other side and we don't we don't have to always push through things we don't always have to pretend that we can do all the things all the time yeah totally and that is such a condition um of being a mother in this society like those patriarchal like standards of what a mother should be and who a woman should be in the society in terms of yeah taking it all on with a smile like oh you can't have a second for yourself like all of these um, limitations that we place on ourselves and it's really important like you said because I've had a similar experience where I'm just like I can't like today yeah. I just I can't and I, I mean that's I said, I said before you started the interview that my daughter is at my mom's today because what day was it? All the days go just, you yeah. can't remember what days they were. <laughs> I think it was Sunday or Monday. I had just like three days of just, just really, <laughs> really hardcore, not great parenting plus yeah. arguments yeah. with my, with my partner. Yeah. And it, it was affecting my job and mm -hmm. it was affecting me and I was having a really hard time. And my mom said, hey, I see you struggling. Um, I don't want you to struggle. Bring her, bring your daughter to me for, you know, a bunch of days and just get clear and be okay and then come back and, you know, parent again. And I'm very lucky that um, I have this open dialogue with my entire family and I do have their support mm -hmm. because it's it's really hard it, this is not easy no matter how well you have it no matter how much money no matter how much help it's it's not it's not easy yeah no definitely one thing i realized about myself as a mother like in my motherhood role was how important time solitude and space really are to me for my mental yeah. health and my well-being not only for my work or profession but I just realized like, especially with quarantine and all of the things that have happened in the past year, I just realized how much for my well-being, I need solitude. Yeah. I, I mean, I've always known that about myself. Like, like I said, I, I've, I've suffered with anxiety and depression my whole entire life. It runs on both sides of my family. Lots of people in my family have dealt with it in ways that I didn't agree with. And so I made a really uh, concerted effort yeah. early on to, 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 try to flip the script, as they say. I'm using all the Oprah words today. <laughs> um, Oprah! Um, and so, like, I had gotten to a point where I knew what it took to keep me healthy. And I'm not going to lie, friends. It was a lot. <laughs> it was wow. a lot. Which is probably why I stayed single for so long, because I just knew, like, you know, I have a friend who's sober. Mm -hmm. And he always says, anyone that wants to date me has to understand that 
like a good 50% of my life in order to stay sober, I have to do these things. And I just, I, I have to do them to stay sober. Yeah. And that's not time I can give you because it's truly life or death for me. And so it's not quite that much percent, but I resonate with that, that I understand. So then when I met my partner, uh, my partner and I have very different uh, loving styles. <laughs> so I am like respect and space creates love. And he's like affection and closeness means love. <laughs> yeah. So right away, I had to create some boundaries in my relationship before I had a baby. And then when we had a baby, you know, those boundaries kind of just exploded. Yeah. And it's been really hard. I mean, I, I can't do it the same way. I can't, I know what I need for my mental health to be like great. And right now it's impossible for me to do those things to make it great. So now I have to adjust. Mm -hmm. I have to figure out what can I do? What can I change? You know, certain things had to go, certain things had to be added. It's like a baking recipe. You sort of have to figure out, you know, what, what it is that's going to allow you to function as a human. And something I wanted to say kind of that um, I think is really important. And I, I say this just because I have a, I have a mom podcast and I um, I've had two actually now, but we, I've talked to a lot of researchers. Uh, we, we talk to a lot of experts. So I'm not just talking out my, uh, out my butt, my ass, as they say, I don't know how much cursing I am. I'm a big cursing sailor. So um, you know, it's okay to show your child yeah. that you're upset and that you're struggling. It really is. We do not have to hide this from our children. And actually experts say that it's really healthy. Right. Because you know what? Your kids are super smart. Even, even the ones that are tiny, tiny, tiny. Mm -hmm. They can they feel, they can feel that something is up. And when you go, no, everything's fine, then it makes them feel like they don't understand their own intuition. Yeah. And then they don't know how to learn or model their emotion because they sense something is awkward or something's nervous and they see you smiling. Yeah. And so then they don't really know how to match emotion and feeling and it creates a disconnect in their body. So we're creating another generation of people who have a disconnect of mind and body. Wow. The key is to let the children know Mm -hmm. that it's okay to feel this. Right. These are the tools that, that mommy or daddy is using and it will be okay. It's better for them to see you break down, recover, right. and get back on it. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, you don't want them ever to feel not safe or not secure mm -hmm. or whatever. You may not want to break down the worst you've ever broken down in front of your children, but it's really important to show your kids struggle, mm -hmm. recovery, yeah. and success because right. then they learn that it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to not win. It's mm -hmm. okay to not feel your best, This that this is a normal thing. That is what creates kind of healthy, emotional, secure children, mm -hmm. not pretending like everything is okay. Absolutely. I totally 100% agree with that. Um, I was reading the book Conscious Parenting by Dr. Um, Shafali. Mm -hmm. And 
a lot of those principles are exactly that because parents try to cover up. We try to, the, again, the toxic positivity and we're not we're really setting up our kids for failure in that regard, because then we yeah. have these like outrageous expectations of how they should be showing up, how, how they, and you know, it's like kind of those gender roles too. Like, oh no, boys don't cry. Like boys don't get upset or, right. oh, you know, girls, you have to just get back up and like, keep on going. Like, don't let people. So I think when we can, like you said, work through and regulate our emotions as a positive example for our children and also help them work through their emotions by allowing boys to cry and allowing our children also to kind of feel and go through their feelings. Because I think a lot of the times parents also want to be the savior, right? So they want to say like, oh, no, no, it's okay. Don't cry. Don't cry. Like we stop our children from expressing their emotions also, whether it's anger, sadness, um, or even happiness. It's like, we're just so controlling over like the whole process. And I think once we can like release the reins a little bit, One of my proudest moments is now my daughter says, I think I need to take a breath. I'm getting worked up. Or she'll say, I'm frustrated. Maybe I'm hungry. Like she's learning these things. And then when I get frustrated, she comes up to me and she goes, it's okay, mama. We have to just take a breath. Like she helps me. She, and so it's, it's one of my, one of my more prouder things that I didn't I mean, I, I'm consciously trying to parent, so it's I did try to do it, but it wasn't something I set out to be like, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, I just was like, all right, well, I'm going to have breakdowns, so how can I do this <laughs> in a positive way? Um, and so I've just, I'm really proud of that. Now, not, not saying that goes well every time or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, just that she is starting to recognize it mm-hmm. and and know what to do. One of the other things, so I suffer from, um, I'm, ex, I'm my, my co-host, Ashley, always jokes, um, we are relatively new best friends in the last three years. Um, my old, my longtime best friends fully already recognize this, but she, she's, she's like, you are not an introvert. I'm like, I, I actually am. I'm just very good at covering it up. Like I'm, I'm so extroverted so that people can see this one part, but really, I'm very introverted and I have some severe social anxiety, right? She always, now she's starting to see it now that we've been friends for longer. But in social experiences, I never really knew what to do with my anxiety. So for many years, I like drank a lot. (laughs) I would pre-drink before going to a party. I mean, obviously not as a child, but I would pre-drink before going to party. I would drink a lot at the party. And then obviously things, I would either Irish exit or I would have something bad would happen. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, I used to uh, just not go to, I would make up an excuse why I couldn't go to a birthday party. Mm -hmm. Just make up an excuse. I used to throw up a lot out of anxiety before things. I would call my mom to come home early, all that kind of stuff. So I saw my daughter doing some of these anxious Mm -hmm. stuff, some of my, some of my anxiety stuff. And so, and I don't know what made me do this specifically, this, this specific thing, but I said, hey, Luna, if you don't know what to say, when someone's talking to you, you don't know what to say, or like you're just feeling a little weird, just say cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Because it's like what I try to do now. So it's so hysterical. So we'll like walk into a new circumstance that I know my my daughter is like nervous. I can just see she does some nervous tendencies that I do, like this finger tapping thing that I do. 
And so we'll like walk into somebody's house that she's, you know, she doesn't know the person and they have a kid or something like that. And so she'll start finger tapping. I'm like, okay, she's a little nervous. <laughs> and then she'll walk up to anything. She did this recently with a friend of mine. She walked up to their, like in their kitchen. She goes, that's a cool refrigerator. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and I looked and I was like, it is a cool refrigerator. And that was like her Aww. way. First of all, it's charming as hell. It the mother is. was like, well, thank you. Really charming. It's an icebreaker. Mm -hmm. And it was a great, it's a great tell to me mm -hmm. that then I need to give her a little bit more attention. Yes. And it doesn't overly set scream anxiety. Right. And I have shared it with people and they're like, I'm an adult and I'm going to start doing that. And so now me and my friends have started just being like, cool, cool, cool. Like when we're just yeah. feeling like little anxiety, it really okay. helps. Yeah. And I wish that I had known cool, cool, cool as a little kid. Let me tell you, because you seem really chill, but it's, it's a way to kind of be like, I'm just gonna dance around this feeling for a little bit until I feel, get my feet, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. What an amazing icebreaker. That's really, we're going to definitely take that one for sure. And now she just compliments random people's things saying cool, cool, cool. It's hysterical. <laughs> amazing. I really love that. Um, I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned a little earlier about, you know, the trauma and mm -hmm. really, gosh, there's just so many layers of that, even from like the motherhood experience, like you said, children have that, but also as we're going through these personal, you know, as we're going through our shadow work and going all of that stuff, like how can we heal through all of these things without passing it on to our children? And, you know, whether that's through the emo emotional regulation having safe ways to process emotions and just being like really honest and authentic with our experiences. I think a lot of women probably struggle with that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we are a society that historically, I mean, it's playing out collectively, like with all of our ancestral traumas, all of the traumas from generations before us playing out in these really violent ways. Um, but how can we really, like, what are some tools we can use so that we're not passing that trauma on? Well, something that my my meditation teacher has said that I think um, two things that he has said that I think is really important just to start this conversation before we talk about the tools is that um, one of the most powerful things that you can add to any dialogue, whether it's an internal dialogue or or saying it out loud, is the words "up until now." Mm -hmm. So. Up until now, I have been a person that has struggled with anxiety and depression. Up until now, I've had a real issue with my father. Mm -hmm. Up until now. Because um, we like to live in these polarities. We like to put things in little boxes. We like, it's part of the ego. And I don't mean ego as in like, I'm amazing, but literally like the inner ego. Mm -hmm. And so, um, if we use the phrase up until now, even if we're just thinking it ourselves, up until now, I'm heavy. Up until now, I've had body issues, whatever it is. It leaves the door open for magic. It leaves the door open for change. Mm -hmm. And in the canon of meditation and yoga, one of the most important lessons that I think to embrace is that stagnancy is death. <laughs> and uh, keep the water moving, right? And so even if we move through feelings and thoughts and we, we pass through some r rough rapids, it's still movement, right? Mm -hmm. And so the up until now creates movement where maybe there was stagnancy. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think not to be like, again, positive affirmation, because you don't necessarily, it doesn't have to be positive what you say. But I just think adding up until now in the way that we think about things um, gives a chance for that to change. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But it it starts the idea that things can change. That's the first thing. And the second thing that my meditation, his name is David Wagner, David Harshita Wagner, is that um, I, I want to give him credit where credit is due, is that he says that, you know, the spiritual path a lot for some reason in recent years the spiritual path has been like very lavender it's like mm-hmm. with that like what you're talking about with the positive affirmations and whatever he's like the spiritual path is like the opposite of Literally. it is treacherous <laughs> it is like black and red it is pretty like hardcore it's a it's a real punk rock hardcore thing it's mm-hmm. not lavender at all it's not goop Gwyneth Paltrow Lavender. It is hardcore. And that if if the path is like lit and it's got rest stops and it's paved, it's probably not your path because that means someone else walked it a bunch of times. That's why it's paved and that's why it's easy. And so your path has never been trodden. You're going to have to like thatch all the thorns out of the way. There's not going to be any light. The good news is in the end, it's more satisfying because it's yours and it feels authentic. But oh, mm-hmm. know that um, it's not easy. The, the The payoff is bigger and the day-to-day satisfaction and knowing is really truly worth it. But that you, in order to heal these traumas, you have to go to some tricky places. So one thing is support. So like my, my top things are support, 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 say the thing. So Mm -hmm. I always say that just like if you go on a diet and you're like, I can't eat chocolate or I can't eat gluten, your mind hears gluten, 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 chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. I'm just naming random things. Um, and then your brain focuses on that word and then it doesn't hear the don't, it just hears the word. Right. Mm -hmm. So Again, shout out to Oprah. One time, Oprah talked about how to keep yourself safe. And she said, if someone is following you, turn around, look them straight in the eye and say, I see you, right? So that's what I try to do with myself. Whatever's on the top of my mind, I see you, negative bank account balance. Mm -hmm. I see you, anger that seems to be getting out of control. I see you, dad, that I have problems with, whatever it is. I try to like say the thing either internally, but I also really try to embrace saying the thing externally in the best and healthiest way possible for, uh, there was, I forget who credited this, but somebody said, before you say something, think about whether it will have a positive effect on everybody, not just you. So I do try to word saying the thing in a way that is not harmful, and not, I shouldn't say positive, that is non-harmful to everyone. I think there's usually a way for you to express your needs and your wants and your trauma in a way that mm-hmm. is non-harmful. And if it's going to be too harmful, maybe just express them to somebody who it won't be harmful to, like your therapist yeah. or whoever, you know? Sure. Um, so that's the first thing, say the thing. And then uh, – Another way is reach out for help. Don't do it alone, whether that's with a professional or a a best friend or a partner or a a sibling. You don't need a lot of them. Like it's, I mean, obviously it's helpful to have a lot of them, but you don't need a lot of them. You just, you really just need one or two people that you can be your authentic self and say, hey, 
you know, a, a no judgment zone truly. Yeah. And then you have to really get, so there's a word in the yoga canon called svadhyaya and it means self-study. It basically means you're never done. Yeah. You're never, you're never done. Again, this idea of stagnancy when you're done, you're dead. Right. So you're never done. No matter how much studying, no matter how much work you do, you're never done. So you have to learn what your triggers are and what your like life preservers are. So that not to avoid the triggers, but just to have the triggers happen in a safe space and then know what maybe the life preserver is. So I'm going to be really graphic here for a second and just say that um, the way that I have experienced my mental health is I like to call it a shit ditch. (laughs) Imagine a gigantic deep ditch filled with shit. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes you're when you're at the bottom of the ditch, just covered in shit. Mm -hmm. The way to climb out of it is more shit falls on you Mm. as you're climbing out right? But you're getting out. Yeah. And so for me, the idea is to try, and sometimes it's unavoidable, but try to never get to the bottom of the shit ditch. Mm. Try to have enough knowledge of myself and my triggers and check-ins and life preservers that I just slide a little bit into the shit ditch. Mm -hmm. So then it's easy to crawl out. There's less shit falling on me. Now, sometimes the inevitable is going to happen. We're going to have a big trauma that that like childbirth, or we're going to have a bunch of things that happen in a row, like someone dying, a pandemic happening, and then you're going to slide deep into that shit ditch, right? Just know it's going to be a little while climbing out. Some more shit is going to fall on you on the way. That's how trauma works. Like the as we're digging ourselves out, like stuff gets ripped open or something else comes out. It's still a worthwhile journey to climb out, but it's not linear. I have a tattoo on my arm, actually. It's I'm trying to show it to you. So it's a so it's a lotus flower mm-hmm. with the bottom part is a unilome. Mm-hmm. So the lotus flower represents that this beautiful flower that everybody loves. Guess what? It grows in crap. Mm-hmm. It, the bottom it only does well in icky, dark, nasty water, mm-hmm. and it is nourished by that nasty icky water and then it makes a journey up to the surface it blooms this like gorgeous gorgeous delicate beautiful flower and then it closes back up and it goes back down into the muck and it gets nourished mm-hmm. we are who we are because of our trauma yeah. you can't take it away it's like mm-hmm. it's like back to the future if you try to regret your trauma you're gonna lose an arm <laughs> when you're playing guitar at your school you know um so this reminds me that I am who I am, not in spite of, but because of. Yes. So I can't get angry that my dad did all those things. Yeah. I, I can be sad. I can be angry in the moment, but it made me who I am today. So that's the first thing. And the lotus flower goes back into the muck to be regenerated. So wow. we will have to re refill our traumas and just ideally have the tools to get us out of the shit ditch quicker. And then the unilome represents a spiritual journey, which means that it's not a straight line. So the unilome is like all squiggly. Sometimes you have to go down before you come back up again. But the the end goal is worth it. Right. Yeah. And so I just I bring that up just because when dealing with trauma, 
you have to love the trauma a little bit. Yeah. You have to love it. You have to understand that the reason why you are who you are, the reason why I'm such a deeply empathetic person, the reason why I'm a good mother, the reason why I'm a good friend mm -hmm. is because yeah. of the trauma. Right. You just need to know, like, for instance, I know that I need talk therapy. Mm -hmm. I need meditation and yoga, maybe not as regularly as I used to do it, but I need it in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I need strong family connection. Yeah. Um, and I need something more than my child. Mm -hmm. yeah. I need a career. Mm -hmm. I, I, even if it doesn't make any money, mm -hmm. I am not okay just being a mother. Yeah. And some people are. I'm right. not okay. I've learned that. I'm not okay and that's okay to say. Right. Same. That's part of my mental health. Totally. Um, and so these things help me with the trauma. Um, and sometimes I need medicine. I know myself that sometimes I need to be medicated, depending on what's going on in my life, depending on how much time I have to work on myself. Sometimes I need to be medicated. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I do. But this long journey that I've had, um, I've gotten to know myself. And it's a continual baker's recipe of like, add this, take away that. And so, you know, I think loving your trauma and then knowing what helps you get out of the shit ditch. Yeah, no, that's really beautiful because I think you like really illuminated um, so much for some women who just find themselves at the bottom of that shit ditch because they are, like we said, they're not making the space they're not asking for the support or really um, they're kind of like bypassing the things because they are continuously doing in that state of doing, doing, doing. So we, you know, they ignore all of the signs and the triggers and the warnings. They're not really sitting with and trying to come out, you know, so yeah. it's a really important message for moms to really just create space to process and really feel what you're going through, push the guilt and the shame aside and become self-aware and an observer to your thoughts. Yeah. I always like to say you have thoughts, you are not your thoughts. You have feelings, but you are not your feelings. Right. You, you know, um, another thing I just want to say is that the postpartum thing, like postpartum means like a lot like you can have postpartum two to three years after you have your kid your postpartum doesn't necessarily manifest in not connecting or loving your kid it doesn't necessarily manifest in like eating the carpet or whatever yeah. other whatever like things we are portrayed in the media right whatever lifetime movie we've seen about it but um it can be all of a sudden just not understanding um, yourself anymore. It could be, um, you know, to the core, feeling like your DNA is completely different, that mm -hmm. the same things that you used to like and whatever before you don't even understand anymore. Mm -hmm. You don't understand yourself. It could be anger. It could be mm -hmm. sadness. It could be, I mean, there's so many ways mm -hmm. that it manifests itself and not all of them are like, you don't love and connect your, with your child yeah. or that you're a danger you know, mm -hmm. um, it, it can mean that, but it could also not mean that it could mean like I had like crazy, like almost agoraphobia anxiety about leaving my house for a little while. And oh. This is before the pandemic. Um, I had the same thing. 
it's like a mama bear instinct, I think, like like mm. deep, like deep animal, like gotta keep the baby safe, you know. I have the same exact thing. Yeah, so it it it's it comes out in a lot of different ways, and you know, one of the biggest things. I mean, I really expected my body to be shit afterwards. I didn't expect for it to <laughs> affect my ego as much. I I thought I I thought I was further along um in my journey than to than to um kids are really good at showing you how you're not further along on oh, your journey. Yeah. And my 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 meditation teacher says that's a gift when mm-hmm. someone shows you that you're not as far along on your journey. That's a gift to you to say, "Hey, you're not done. More work. Here's what you have to work on." But I thought I had done a lot of work on on body and image and how it relates to self-worth and um guess what? Wrong. Right. Uh found that out in in a real aggressive way and still working through fully truly honestly fully working on that um says the girl that did like a 45 minute peloton workout before this <laughs> trying to just but you know it's it's a struggle for me right now um and then also i didn't really expect for it to like blow up my sense of self so much i really didn't like yeah. the kind of the kind of like it's sort of reminds me of when I was again before baby when I was like what uh, do I not like my career like it's one of those like midlife crisis-y yes. feelings I did not expect for that to happen after I had a baby I really didn't I thought oh I'm gonna have a hard time getting my body back oh I'm gonna be tired oh all those things but the deep internal questioning Yes. my self-worth and my place in the world. I didn't expect for that to be quite so deep, frankly, because I've done so much work before this on it. So um, it is truly a a soul and DNA changing Mm -hmm. experience. And I don't know, I always joke on my show that women that just are like, you know, I never want to hate or shame women at all ever. But sometimes those women that are like, oh my God, it's just so great. I'm like, either you're not experiencing thing or you don't want to tell people or whatever it is. Because I think that universally across the thing, it's, it's soul and DNA changing for every woman. Yes. Now, whether they're deep empathetic feelers and thinkers to recognize that, or they don't want to talk about it or whatever, because not everybody wants to share their journey publicly. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't understand how it can't be. Yeah, I don't understand how it can't be. You grew something in your body. You shared DNA. Then you had two DNA in your body at one time. That was crazy. Towards the end when there's like <laughs> two DNAs in your body, you're like, what? And then it gets pulled somehow out of your body in some way, pulled, pushed out of your body. And there's a person there and it's yours and you're responsible like, what? for it. Like, mm-hmm. how can that not truly be? <laughs> And you know, actually, I read a study that said for daughters, so apparently our eggs start producing in yes. the womb. So you're actually carrying your grandchildren as well. I know. Crazy so shit. Let three, me tell you. Three generations within your body. It's just, <laughs> it's just, um, I think it's really important to remember too, for everyone, your kids will eventually leave you. <laughs> so... Yeah. You need to invest in you all the time. Yes. And it shows your kids that they also need to invest in them, that creating independent children that Mm -hmm. see independence and investment modeled from their parents 
become healthy emotionally attached, healthily emotionally attached children, your kids are going to go away to college at some point or not college, but out of your house. Hope That's what we hope. We want kids that successfully leave and 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 be independent and so that starts from the beginning that's it that doesn't you don't start doing that when they get closer to doing that you yeah. have to invest in yourself for yourself a little bit all the time from day one yeah because that shows them that's modeling good behavior for them it's what you talked about earlier modeling boundaries mm -hmm. modeling self-care modeling healthy detachment and independence doesn't have to be anything big but just remember you know they, they talk about that like the days are long but the whatever short you gotta i hate those tropes by the way like i hate all the days whatever it's all long and short who cares whatever Everyone, just it is what it is there's no sense of time um but it's important in some way to just invest in yourself Totally. Yeah. All the time. We can't forget about ourselves. I mean, it whatever, whatever that means, whatever that means yeah. for not everybody, it means going to be having a job. That's not what I mean by investing in. I'm not saying every mom has to be like a working mom. I'm just saying, remember like what it was that brought you joy <laughs> yeah. other than your kids. Yes. I think that is so important. I have so many conversations with moms. I'm like, so what do you do for you? They're like, what do you mean? I go to play dates. I, yeah, that's not for you. That's <laughs> for your child. Right. Or, you know, the, the identity, like we could go on and on about just like identity crises within motherhood, but that is a really important lesson and just solely for yourself. A quick life hack real quick. I one time read, I think it was a New Yorker article about this poet writer who's very prolific. And the the uh, author of the article asked her, like, you, your your inspiration seems like boundless. Like, I don't how how can you continue to come up with all these like beautiful things all the time? And she said, she said this. she said, I've always had an innate quality, even as a child, to fall in love every five minutes. And this is what she said. She's like, not like, love like I go from, you know, lover to lover. She's like, but I try, no, sorry, scratch that. I can not try, she doesn't have to try. I'm trying to do what she's doing, but <laughs> I look around and I take in my circumstances and I just fall in love. She's like, so I'll take a walk in Central Park and I'll fall in love with the, this woman's hat. I'll see a woman's hat, I'm like, damn, that is, oh my God, I'm so in love with that hat. Then next thing i look at it's really mindfulness is what she's practicing mindfulness all the time mm -hmm. i see the way the light is coming through the leaves and speckling on the floor and i allow myself to just be completely taken and in love mm -hmm. and so mindfulness john cabot zinn says uh mindfulness is paying attention to the present moment on purpose without judgment it's it's unitasking it's the opposite of multitasking and so what she does is she really connects moment to moment with falling in love so although i can i can't do it that often uh <laughs> i'm trying to do it every so many hours i'll just really allow myself to be taken in by my circumstances and i'll be like wow the color of my comforter is like this really cool like rust cut like what is that color it's so beautiful or whatever it is or like the way that person smells or that person's cheeky little smile or i really and it has affected my well-being so much and changed the way that i parent because in a frustrated moment with my kid i'll try to um as a meditation technique i'll try to 
put myself in in her body looking through her eyes mm -hmm. as a mindfulness technique so that even though she's being like destructive i'll try to like pretend that i'm in her body with her like two-year-old mind looking through and being like wow this is fun you know being destructive or whatever it is i just try to like fall in love through her eyes or i will try to fall in love in that moment somehow and it just any sense of uh fully embracing the present moment snaps you out of whatever loop you're in and so um those two things are really like parenting life hacks imagining myself in my child's eyes looking finding kind of the meditative moment joy for her and then that falling in love whenever i can with just whatever like the reflection of the way my computer is in this picture here or the way my dog is snuggled up and the light is on his you know it really just helps kind of snap things back into focus of what's important i love that i love that thank you so much carrie what a beautiful no problem in such juicy gems for for moms <laughs> to really take away and implement and try to you know, so not only are you integrating your emotions, you're processing them, and then you're finding like those small, tiny moments where you can really be manageable to find your way and center back into mindfulness. I think that is the key here. Yeah. And also you're doing great, guys. You're doing great. Just remind yourself, you're doing great. Yeah. It, if, if, you can, if you can think it, you can say it. If you say it, it's manageable. You're mm -hmm. doing great. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Carrie. Uh, I will drop all the links so that you guys can follow Carrie in the episode notes below and tune in next time. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening to the Own Mamas podcast. Please leave a review and share this platform with a woman in your life who can benefit from the message. Our book, Mantras, Mantras for Mindful Moms, is currently available on Amazon. If you'd like to continue the conversation, connect with us on Instagram at allmamas. Oh